Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are Um, I want to share today a message, and you probably saw maybe the, the invite and the graphic and all that, and uh, today's message is titled, Your Boat Will Not Go Down. I'm not sure if you've ever been on a boat or you've gone through a storm. It is very scary being on a boat and going through a storm. It is, it is, it is, it's probably one of the most scariest things because there is no land around you. And if that boat capsizes, there is no hope. It's a very scary thing. And especially if your boat starts to get a leak in it and it's going to start to sink. Now it becomes extra scarier. I don't know if you've ever been in in a situation on a trip or anything like that. You just had rocky waters and that was scary enough for you. Uh, But I want to share something. It's not about a boat, but we'll get into this right in a moment. Um, But I don't know if you've ever had a good idea um, you had a good idea, you include others in it. Oh, I got this idea, or I got this place I want you to eat at. I want you to come over and watch this movie. You had a good idea, and you invite others. But then unknowingly, something catches you by surprise, and you come to say to yourself, well, this, is, uh, this didn't go as, as I planned it to go. How many of you have ever experienced a moment where you thought something was going to be great and you said, this didn't work out the way <laughs> that I wanted it to work out? It took, it took a different route. Maybe you thought it was a good idea to hook two people up. And um, yeah, that didn't work. <laughs> You're like, I shouldn't have done that. Maybe you planned a gathering with some friends. You planned a trip, a vacation of some sort. You had it all planned, but then the unimaginable or what's out of your control happens, and you feel all kinds of ways. I want to share something with you. Uh, I turned 40 years old a couple years back, and uh, how many years back was it? It's going to be two years. A couple. uh, Two years is a couple. A year and uh, seven months back, I, I turned 40. Something like that. And my family thought, hey, let's do, um, let's do a trip with the family. And um, I said, all right, yeah, we'll do it, you know, in my own special way of, of saying yeah. So we planned the trip, and we planned the trip to, to go to um, uh, Mexico for my 40th uh, birthday with my family. Uh, I, I already forgot the area of Mexico, but what, what is it? Playa de Carmen. Yeah, Playa de Carmen. And um, we... we Packed up our luggages, and you, you know what you do when you go to Mexico, right? You take every bathing suit. So I'm like, this is gonna be easy. I'm gonna take every bathing suit, and then like every, um, what are those things I like to wear? Um, rash guards. Every single one, I'm gonna throw in there, and then some short shirt, like one jeans with nice shirts for when we go out to, I mean, it's gonna be bathing suit season the whole week in Mexico, right? So you come all pumped, and you're ready to go I'm gonna celebrate my 40th with my family. And then you get there and, um, well, you know, all things catch, <laughs> catch you by surprise. You, you get there and there's a, there's a massive storm um, over Mexico and then we start to look deeper into it and there's a tropical uh, depression um, that when we planned the trip six months to a year before, um, we couldn't plan the tropical depression either, like not to go, so it just so happened that a massive tropical depression was hitting And we get there, and we're like, well, it's the first day, you know? And it's pouring, and it's raining as we're checking in, and the hotel's beautiful, but no one's around, you know? Everyone's, I guess, in their rooms. The the outside was supposed to be like music playing and dancing, and the pool was supposed to be, you know, popping, you know, active. The pool was empty. There was no kids running down the slides. It was just rainy and dark, and it was supposed to be fun. And we're like, well, let's see how it goes. So we check our weather app, and the second day, same thing. The third day, same thing. 
Well, the whole week, it was just a tropical depression. I'm going to show you some pictures. Let's put the first picture up. This is us. Our first day, we go to our room, and we go to the balcony, and I did a little bit of editing, so the sky looks a little blue, but it's actually really gray, and it's dark, and it was rainy, and we're smiling, and I'm half smiling, because I'm like, I don't think this is going to work out the way we thought it was going to work out this whole week. And you could see it in my smile. But my kids kind of have no idea. They see that on the other side, there's a pool. They see that in our room, there's a big jacuzzi. They think they're going to have a blast. And um, they were going to be a, um, a rude awakening for my kids as well. Um, it got so bad that we couldn't go to the pool. Not the first day, second day, third day, fourth day, fifth day. So we said, what do we do? We got tired of just walking in circles around the hotel for my 40th birthday in Mexico. So what did we do? We're like, let's turn on the jacuzzi. So here's my children. At least I think it's my daughter. Oh, is that the second one? Oh, no. Well, there she is. Let's put the second one. There's my daughter. The second one. The daughter. Jade in the water. There she is. We turned on the jacuzzi, and, and she's having a blast. That, we could have done that for way cheaper in Miami. <laughs> but welcome to Mexico and pay all that money for your daughter. And, and we did it, us four. That was like our highlight of our day. Us four in the jacuzzi having a blast, paying a lot of money in Mexico for that. And we tried to make the best out of it. It was raining, it was lightning, they didn't allow anyone in the pool, so that's the closest we got to the water every single day. You know, I'm not stretching it too much. There was one day that we had a little bit of fun, but it was raining that whole day that we had that fun. Let's go to the beach, right? Maybe if, even if it's raining, you can't tell people not to go to the beach. So let's put the beach picture up. There's like this thing in the water, I forgot what it's called, maybe Nancy remembers. Yeah, something on the sea, I don't know. And um, I was not gonna go into those waters. It smelled, you could smell it from our room. And it was disgusting. And that's a good, that's a good picture because if you would have looked a little bit further down, um, oh no, that's because they, 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 um, they moved there every morning. But in the mornings, it was, a, it was a huge pile every morning of seaweed that they had to move. It was ridiculous. No one was at the beach in Mexico. So that's the best that we did. We just dug people in the sand. My kids met some friends that day, and we were just sad, you know. <laughs> Whatever, we could have done this in Miami again. So, so that's that. I think I have another picture. I forgot which one it is. Oh, so then the last day came. It was our last full day, and out of nowhere, the sun comes out. The hotel, which was like a dying flower, opens. And the whole hotel, there's music playing, there's people break dancing, there's chefs outside cooking for you. And there's a party everywhere you look. Look, in the background, there's people. There's kids going down the slides. My son is getting sun, my, is getting sun and he's excited and he's flexing on us. And, and we go in the pool and I remember that last day, I said, this is what it should have been the last six days. And we got to enjoy it for one day when the sun came out and the next morning we had to say bye. We planned something, we thought it was gonna be a good idea, but it didn't work out the way we had wanted it to. I'm sure, I'm sure you've been there. You met Prince Charming, and you met your sweetheart, and everything was gonna be great because Hollywood told you you're gonna live happily ever after. But then what happened to your sweetheart? You had your children, and men, they dedicated him to the Lord. We did all these great things, and we prayed over her, and then your child presents these problems. You're like, but what happened? I believe that we've all planned for something and we've had a good mindset of, this is gonna be great, it's gonna go well. But when some time passes, we recognize that there are surprises in our lives. And these surprises does not mean that God is good or bad. It doesn't take away from God's goodness. It doesn't mean like, where was God? My daughter just asked me that question this week, coming out of the shower. Dad, why did God allow that to happen?
And that was another conversation again to have with my children of this does not, this bad and dark thing does not take away the fact that God is still good and he still reigns and he's still holding us together. This is just all part of life. There are, there are surprises and there are decisions that we've made and there are things that are going to pop up that we wish we can change, that we thought it was going to be totally different and then it appears to us and we say, where are you, God? I'm sure we could all relate to this. I'm sure we can. I wanted to share a similar story that occurred in the Gospels, something that is very similar to all of this. And depending what Gospel that you read from, there are some minor details of the story that could differ. Mostly, it's that in one gospel, they explain more of the detail, where in the others, they leave some of those details out. But basically, the whole story is in those gospels. And and this is a real life story. This is something that took place. Um, And there are some certain things in this story uh, that I want you to know, and I think in this picture, you kind of see it, but there is a fierce storm in this story that we're about to read, weird, but yeah, we're going to read it. A fierce storm, and then in this fierce storm, there's some characters that we want to make sure we highlight. I think the most important character is Jesus, for sure. So there's a storm, there's Jesus. There's his disciples, and then there's this boat that they're all in. <laughs> it sounds like a joke's coming, right? Like there was this Cuban, there was Puerto Rican, they were sitting in the bar. You know what I'm saying? Like there was Jesus, there was disciples. <laughs> a boat in a storm. And, and, and that's what we're going to read. And, and you're like, well, what is Jesus, the disciples, and the boat all doing in the storm? I'm going to... Tell you this, ready? And it was all Jesus' idea. (laughs) All of this story was all Jesus' fault. It was all Jesus' purpose and plan. So today I feel you're going to get this awakening, this understanding that, hey, Jesus is involved in whatever circumstance you're in. If you're his child, Submit to him, be obedient to him, stay faithful, and let him be God with whatever it is that you're facing, okay? And it was all Jesus' idea in this story. And I want you to see this uh, so you could get an understanding and maybe see how it relates to us. So here's Jesus, and he's on this preaching tour. Now, now this is the problem I have today. Um, I'm reading out of Luke chapter 8, verses 20 through 2 to 25. I'm reading out of Matthew 8, verses 23 through 27. And I'm reading out of Mark chapter 4, verses 36 to 41. I grabbed all of those passages, which are the same story, and I'm going to speak on that, on that story, okay? So it's Luke 8, Matthew 8, and then found in Mark chapter 4. Jesus is on a preaching tour, if you want to call it that, and he's going from town to town, and you already know how that's going. I'm sure you do. Um, He's preaching his best sermons, and miracles were happening. Teachings unleashed like no one has ever heard or seen, and it shows us that the crowds around Jesus were growing and became enormous. So Jesus was, was growing in popularity and people wanted to hear from him and see from him what is he going to say next and what is he going to do next and who is he going to touch next. And Jesus always brought a thrill around him and the crowds began to grow. And in Mark's gospel, in chapter 4, it tells us, verse 36, here it is, because there's a crowd around him, and it says, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, and I love this, just as he was. I think that's funny, because I'm like, didn't Jesus 
take them into the boat just as they are. (laughs) But they take Jesus from the crowd into the boat just as he was. And then it says this, because Jesus had groupies and Jesus, in the sense of people that always wanted to be around him, that's what I meant by groupies, um, people that wanted to flock around him, and it says, and other boats were there with him. There were other boats that just wanted a piece of that. And, and I thought about verse 36 as we get ready to get into this message, and I said, why are some of these details important? Just in verse 36, I believe that it's important because we already see Jesus' humanity. That though he is God, and we see that he's also, yes, deity, but he made himself known to mankind and to mankind's weaknesses. And he makes himself known throughout his life to death, to sickness, to work. And he comes to share in the struggles that we too have. So Jesus relates and Jesus understands and Jesus gets it. And they take Jesus out of the crowd and they put him in a boat. And I said, well, why would they put Jesus in a boat? And the only thing that I could come to think of, this is what I believe is, Jesus, you must be tired. Jesus was tired from preaching and from healing, from crowds always around him. There are times when I speak so much throughout the day, speaking to people that I get home or when I'm home, I just can't get a word out because I'm tired. I can't speak anymore. I'm exhausted. My mind is wrapped around five different things that have happened or that I've heard today. And I can't even, I I, I can't even enjoy this evening. I'm tired, I'm weary. I can't even imagine Jesus and his disciples going through a tour and healing the sick and preaching to thousands of people. Miracles are happening. And he gets to a moment where he's tired and his disciples are tired. And all in all, he just needs some rest. And not only does Jesus need rest, but but everyone who's with him, sharing with him in his ministry, his disciples, they need rest. So he was on the boat with his disciples. Finally, we're going to rest. Boys, we're going to rest. You're like, are you sure that's what it was? Was he really there to rest? He's on the boat with some other friends that, that are around him that went out in their boats as well around Jesus. And I love this. I enjoy reading that they take him in and they take Jesus just as he was. And I started to think about that and especially in this moment that we're in. And I said, just as he was. And I thought about how many people reject Jesus, even still today, because he's not the picture that they want as their God. So they reject Jesus. Some people don't take Jesus in, into their boat, into their life, because he doesn't fit their ideals, you know? It's better to reject him than to bring him in and have him as a, new, a nuisance to the things that he's going to confront and contradict in my life. You've ever been in sin? I mean, I'm, I, I'm sure it's not in this church and no one here. But you've ever been in sin and you've hung out with someone that's like on a high? You know what I'm saying? They're casting out demons and they're preaching to the walls. But you're like, you feel dirty. Am I the only one that's been there? You just feel, ah, I'm not in a good place spiritually. But you're hanging around with your Christian friend, you know? But you start hanging out with them, and they're like, oh, hallelujah, praise you. And they're praying every five. And and sometimes being around them, you being, uh, not you, because I know it's not here, but that kind of Christian, right? They start to feel bothered hanging around with a person that is so in love and conviction with Jesus, right, right? You ever been there? And you leave and you're like, whew, thank God I'm done hanging out with him. The issue was never him. The issue was, you're dirty. And, and some of his cleanness was convicting your dirtiness from hanging around with him. I mean, I've been there. I've been the dirty one 
that it says, when is this going to end? Because this is torture. Because I know I'm not right with God. And, and they bring Jesus just as he was. And, 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 and people don't want Jesus. He's going to confront me. He's going to contradict some of the things that are my truths and, and all of this stuff. And it, it's never changed. It's always been like that. Maybe there's someone here today that you know without a shadow of a doubt the Lord is calling you. Your heart is being stirred. But there's something in you that you're wrestling and you, it doesn't matter. This stuff right here is not for old people. You could be 14 and you could be 84. I don't know who I'm speaking to, but you're wrestling with God and you're doing all these things with God. You know that God is calling you and you want to surrender, but there's some things in your life that you're also enjoying that you're like, how can I live with him if I'm also doing this stuff? If I also want to behave like this and that's your struggle. And like, how did you know that? Because I'm talking to myself. I am that person, just like you are that person. And we do that. And Jesus' day was the same thing. Many didn't want to bring him in. Because surely the Messiah, the Son of God, the next great King of Israel, the Son of David that we have been waiting for, he would, he would come from royalty. He would come from a place of a palace. He would come from a place of popularity. But instead, he is born in this uh, not-so-royal place with animals in this cave from a young virgin in Bethlehem upbringing um, from a humble town and a lowly place like Nazareth Instantly, Jesus is a problem for everyone that wants to receive the next Messiah, the true Messiah, not the next Messiah. Instantly, he was a problem to their ideas of him. So before we get further on in this message, I want to ask you a question, and it's this. Have you brought Jesus in? Let's start there. Have you brought Jesus in? And you say, can you kind of break that down? What, what do you mean by that? Have I brought him in? I do have a scripture on the wall of my um, kitchen. And every time we sit down, we look at that scripture. So I think he's there. Or I do have a scripture on the door of, on top of the threshold of my house. So yeah, we are a Christian family. I'm asking you a deeper question than that. Have you brought Jesus in? Okay, so break that down. Have you surrendered truly surrendered to his owner and governing and residing of your boat? Have you truly brought Jesus in? I thought about this as we get into this because he could be in my boat, he could be in my boat, while yet I haven't really surrendered to him. I mean, a lot of people live like that. We, we can go to church and we could go to the groups that Rizzo was saying, like Cubs this week, and we could go to even our marriage thing if we're married, and we could do all these things and say, Jesus is in my boat, but has my life truly been surrendered to him? I thought about that, and I said, oh man, that, that brought conviction to my heart, that he can be in my company, but yet I haven't really bowed in obedience to his lordship. Is Jesus in your company but have you also bowed to his lordship? Come on. Have you taken him? What did they do? They took him from the crowds. They bring him into the boat just as he was. Have you taken him as he is? Because he took you just as you are to transform you ultimately into who he is. So anyway, let's get into this. Jesus now is in a boat. He made it inside the boat. And then he has an idea and here's Jesus' great idea. He says, well, where we are right now, and he's looking around, and I could almost see him maybe talking to Peter, and Peter's going to like tell all the other boys, and he's like, where we are right now 
it's a good place. We're only about five miles to get to the other side. Maybe some four and a half, five miles if you study the region. And if we can make it over there in a short time, five miles only, and it gives us not a long break, but a little time to rest. And he comes up with this idea of let's just start heading um, to the other side. Because where we're at, it shouldn't take that long. And now we have a little bit of a break and a little bit of rest to recover so that we can enter into our next adventure in the next towns that we go into. In Luke's gospel, chapter 8, verse 22, he tells his disciples this, let us go across to the other side of the lake. This whole thing was, what I'm about to share with you right now, it's all Jesus' idea. Let's, let us do this. Jesus came up with the plan. Jesus didn't sit down and say, Pete, what do you think we should do? He didn't look at any of the disciples. In that moment, he said, I got an idea. Let's go cross to the other side of the lake. Not, not once does Jesus say, hey, um, let's cross and hopefully we make it. That's how I talk. <laughs> hey, I'm going to start doing this that the Lord has given me vision for and hopefully it works out. Does that make sense? If the Lord gave it to you, why wouldn't he accomplish it? So Jesus looks at his disciples and he does not say, let's see what happens. We're only five miles away. I think this boat can handle it. Let's see if we can make it to the other side by dinner time. I don't know, but it's his whole idea. And, and, and this other side is where we have to get to in Jesus' eyes. So, so as I started, Maybe you planned something once that didn't go your way, but we're going to read this story as we're going through it. And for Jesus, this was going to go exactly how and where he wanted it to go. And, I'm, and, I, and I dare to say this, ready? Just like in your life. If Jesus is in your boat, he knows exactly how and where your boat should go and how it should go. He's in the boat. So it says that they began to sail and Jesus falls asleep. Guys, Jesus falls asleep. There's my point where I believe Jesus wanted to rest. Everyone say rest. Just sounds good. Everyone say sleep. Sounds good. Some of you are sleep depraved. I know, and it sounds good just saying it. I wish I could do it. Sleep and rest. And Jesus falls asleep, so no doubt in my mind, he's tired and he took some time to rest. But what I love is the moment in which he took time to rest. It's definitely not a moment where you and I would choose would be a good time to rest. When do you think it's a good time to rest? I like when everything's dark, when everything's nice and cold, and everything is nice and quiet. Don't put on a light, don't put on a TV, don't put a, my wife likes to, that white noise, don't turn on the white noise, that drives me nuts, just shh. That's how I like to rest, and that's how I like to sleep. So Jesus is gonna, I wonder how Jesus likes to sleep, and how Jesus likes to rest. Well, as he's sleeping, look what it says. It says that a great storm, a fierce storm arose. And the boat began to be swamped by the waves, and the boat was being filled up with water. <laughs> I want you to put yourself in this place, in this moment. You're on the boat. Jesus is with you, and you know that he's down in the stern, and he's sleeping comfortably, and you are grabbing buckets, because I, I, I'll get into this, and he starts to, you're starting to throw the water out of your boat because waves are crashing into your boat, and the boat is filling up with water. In your mind, you're thinking, we're going to die and we're going to take Jesus down with us. This is not a good sign. That's exactly what's happening. And what is Jesus doing? Guys, as the disciples are on the boat putting in the work in their storm, as the disciples are on the boat putting in the work in their storm, Jesus is in the boat resting in the storm. I think we're describing two different kinds of Christians here. I think we're describing two kinds of people here. 
Jesus, as the disciples are trying to worry about the water being filling up the boat, well, Jesus, one gospel, gets so detailed about how Jesus is resting. I told you a little bit how I like to rest and how I like to sleep. It says that Jesus was in the stern asleep on a cushion. (laughs) On a cushion. He likes to lay his head on a cushion. I preached this passage years ago, a message that I titled Pillows and Buckets. Because as the disciples were draining the water out, whatever, from, with buckets, we find Jesus at peace, sleeping on his pillow, right? So we ask ourselves, well, who are, who are we in a storm? So this is what you should write down in your notes, because this is a great moment to write notes and take notes in church. Write this down. Who am I in a storm? How am I defined in my storms? Because that's what we find ourselves in now. They're all in a boat, but we see people that are reacting different in this storm. Are we, am I anxious, fearful? Listen to this. In our own strength trying to survive? What were the disciples doing? Someone go wake up Jesus. We're sinking in their own strength. They're they're trying to survive the storm or, or are we peaceful? Resting on a pillow because Jesus is on the boat and the waves and the water will not sink the vessel in which Jesus has made his. The boat will not go down because Jesus is in it. Can you imagine if the disciples would have said, whoa, 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 whoa. Everyone, stop messing with the water now. They're like, what do you mean? Everyone drops their buckets. Drop them. Drop your buckets. Let's sit back and let's see if Jesus is really who he is. Can you imagine if the disciples, let's sit back and let's see if Jesus is really going to allow this thing. He's on the boat with them. But they're, they're, they're just trying to figure this thing out. Jesus is on our boat. And it says that they began to wake Jesus up. Well, that's the action that they took. Jesus, Jesus, and they're probably shaking him. Jesus, tickling his toes like I do with Jackson in the morning. Come on, wake up. Jesus, I think they're screaming. They're worried. There's water filling up the boat. They're running around. They don't know what to do. Peter's probably cursing here and there. Maybe. Peter, a couple, you know, who knows what Peter's doing at this time. When I get to heaven, Peter's going to be like, bro, Really? He threw me like that. And and they wake him up and they say, this is what they say, Lord, save us because we are perishing. Have, Have you ever lost control of a situation? Jesus is your Lord and you feel like I've lost total control. Have you ever been in a moment where, man, this thing is perishing, but the Lord reigns in your heart? Oh my God, this is, this is not of God. And then God's like there, and he's like, well, I'm here. What's of me then? Lord, save us because we're perishing. They, the disciples, with all they knew of Jesus, with all they knew of all the prophets and what they said, did they really come to think that they were perishing? And not just that they were perishing, but Lord, we are perishing. They're saying, you too, Lord, are perishing. It's all of us, Lord, us and you, Jesus, we're perishing. So Jesus, wake up because you, we, us, we're going to die. Every single one of us. And I thought about this, and I said, my God, only five miles away. And I said, a lot could happen in a short trip. How long has this journey been for you, this walk with Jesus? Do you have stories, little stories, in this journey that you're on that you could testify and speak about, and you say, a lot happened in that one year. A lot happened in those three months. A lot happened. I don't know how many minutes or hours this was, but in just five miles, there's a lot going on. So let me ask some questions or make some statements, better said, in which I already had to ask myself 
and thought of the, about them and know them personally for me. But here it is. If you've been on this journey of faith, have you noticed some of these things? Have you noticed that your faith, please listen to this, your faith does not exclude you from entering storms. Oh, well, I'm a man. Because you know there's groups like that that just because you're in a storm, they say, oh, Satan is on you. How can, what do you mean? Jesus went through storms. How dare you say that I'm demon-possessed because I went through a storm? You know, I know some Christians like that. We got to drip you with oil and have a prayer service of deliverance because you're going through a storm. I'm like, are you going to do that with Jesus? Because he's gone through some storms. Your faith does not exclude you from entering storms. Sometimes it's your faith, ready, that leads you to the storm. Oh, but I thought like in this walk my faith was going to cause me to... No, like he trusts you in the storms because there's faith. Or he needs to put you in those storms because there needs to be faith. Your faith leads you to the storm. Oftentimes the, the storm is not a result of your faith, but the outcome or the exit of your storm that is a result of your faith. Oh, I had faith, so I went through a storm, and this is who I became. Because of my faith, and because how, how I went through it. This whole thing that we're talking about here today, about the boat, and the storm, and Jesus, and the disciples, it wasn't their idea. Hey, let's go cross to the other side of the lake. Let's go cross. This whole thing was Jesus' idea. This whole thing. I, I read someone that said this. Jonah, everyone say Jonah. You remember Jonah's story? He ended up in a storm because of his disobedience. Jonah was disobedient. Eh, let's put him in, let's get this storm and let's get this fish and let's take care of this disobedience. But the disciples, they got into a storm because of their obedience to the Lord. They're with the Lord. They bring them into the boat. The Lord is in my life. The Lord is in my boat. And now the Lord says, let's go that way. And going that way brings me to a fierce storm. And then I'm like, Jesus, if you're with me and for me, why would you take me to this place? You're in my boat, but why would you cause this in my family? You're in my boat, but why did you allow this to happen? So, so the question that I will continue to ask for the rest of this morning together is this. How long have you been in this life with Jesus? Like this journey, this life, how has it looked like? How long has it been? What are some ups and downs? What are some things you've learned? I want you to start asking and looking at your life and the, journeys you've, the journey you've been on throughout your time with Jesus. I want you to think about that because I'm going to ask that question a lot. How long have you been in this life with Jesus? See, the Sea of Galilee is where they're at. And the Sea of Galilee is well known for sudden and violent storms. And I don't have time to break down the reason because of the winds and it creates a storm in that specific area. But there's a, a massive storm that happened there in the Sea of Galilee. And I don't know what drove the disciples more crazy. Hear this. The fact that the boat was filling up with water and they were in danger of drowning or the fact that Jesus was in the stern in the boat sound asleep when the fierce storm was affecting them. What drove them more crazy? We're going to drown. The water's crashing in. The boat's filling up. Or, oh no, Jesus is sleeping and nothing's happening here. You see how all this stuff relates to me? Because I would hate to say it relates to you, but I know it relates to me. Where I could say, um, both those things drive me crazy. And I've been to the point where I say, Jesus, you've fallen asleep in a moment where I am in desperate need. Or Jesus, I'm crying out to you and I'm seeking you in a moment where I thought, I don't know, you were going to come through this way. So the question that I'm going to keep asking you is, how long have you been in this life with Jesus? 
Do you go nuts? Do you drive yourself crazy because your boat is rocking and you're scared of the future? Oh my goodness, if this is happening to me now, what's going to happen to me in the future? My greatest worry and my greatest problem in my life is that I became a father. Because now I'm constantly thinking about, oh my God, every decision and every little thing and every little drip of everything, it has my children on the line as well because like, I need to make sure like, they're going to be okay and I need to make sure like, they have food and they have water and they have a place to lay their heads. And, and I don't know, I feel like I'm kind of like in control of that. I need to kind of make sure that all of that is always okay. And that will drive you crazy for a long period of time. Any dads in here feel me? Any moms in here feel me? Parents, you feel that? Like, I don't know, having children, was, it's, it's a blessing, but there's also this constant worry. How long have you been in this life? Do you go crazy because your boat's rocking? And like, what's the future going to look like? How, what's my plans going to be like? Or are you crying to Jesus and feel like I get no answer on the other end? He's asleep in my storm. Never felt that way. So I need to tell you this. Don't confuse Jesus' silence in your storm to Jesus' absence in your storm. Those are two different things. Yes, there was a storm. Yes, there was a boat. Yes, there were disciples. And yes, there was a Jesus. And Jesus the whole time was in the storm with them. Maybe he was silent, but never was he absent. Never was he absent. And just because he is silent in your boat, I don't want you to think that he's absent in your boat. I hope you could break through when you hear this. He's actually, he's actually truly present in your life right now. And you're like, prove it. Just the fact that you're here today listening to me and listening to this word is a fact that he's in your boat. And it's just that the worries, so what is it then? My relationship with God, it gets confusing sometimes. Well, here it is. I think this is what the Lord told me. Here you go. Here's my crazy relationship with God. Maybe you can't relate to this, but this is my talks with God. Regal, it's just the worries that confound you don't confound me. So sometimes when you're going crazy, I just look at you and I stay quiet and just be like, what is he doing? <laughs> what confounds you, what drowns you, what worries you, not one bit of my worry confounded or drowning. He, I, he is teaching that he is over that in which we at times place over ourselves and we become overwhelmed in this moment of our lives and, and maybe you're here today and you're hearing this, like I need to share this with someone that I love because they feel overwhelmed in their life. The word overwhelmed means to bury or drown beneath a huge mass. You've ever felt that way? Just buried, you're, there's this massive weight on me and, I'm, and, it's, and it's, it's above me and I, I can't even get a breath out. The word overwhelm means to be defeated completely. The word overwhelm means to give too much of a thing to someone or something. You've, you've given too much attention, too much power, too much, and you're overwhelmed by what's going on. I can't stop asking you this question. How long have you been in this life with Jesus? And as you answer that in your mind and as you're painting that picture, here's a question for you. You've been overwhelmed in this walk, haven't you? You've been overwhelmed. I hope so, because I have. I've been so overwhelmed, so overwhelmed that I've wanted to quit things that God's called me to do. So overwhelmed that I started to dislike people that I actually love. So overwhelmed that I've wanted to walk away from people that have always been there for me. So overwhelmed, I've been overwhelmed. Have you been overwhelmed? And what does Jesus say to that overwhelming? What does Jesus say to the disciples who are overwhelmed, trying to take water out of the boat? What does he say to me, Regal, overwhelmed, trying to take water out of his boat? He looks at his disciples, he looks at his guys, and he makes one statement to them because he's full of wisdom. What does Jesus say? Does anyone know what Jesus says? One statement. 
Where is your faith? I don't know what I would have done if I would have been on the boat. I would have been like, that's what you're gonna ask? You're asking, you've ever wanted someone, and, and Nancy's really good at always reminding me that I do this a lot with her. But you've ever asked someone because you're looking for a answer or a, a solution, and their answer and their solution is a question. We're gonna die, wake up. Where is your faith? I mean, think about this story and think about what it means to you today. He looks at me and he says, where is your faith? What is he doing? He's putting all the weight on me again. He's putting me to confront my problems again. He's putting me to face the reality of where I'm at. He's, you know what he's doing? He's putting me to not be so codependent and really deal with who I really am. And what I really am is I'm sorry because I don't even have faith enough to know that if you're in this boat, it's not going to go down. I think I'm always dying even while being a man of God. Where's your faith? You're so codependent. You always want me to do something for you. You always want them to do something for you. You always want this to be looked at. You always want, and it's like you're a child. I'm talking to myself. Rigo, you're a child. You're a baby. You're so codependent. You always look in other places. And all I have to tell you is, where is your faith? Why would you ask me that, Lord? Because at the end of the day, this storm is meant to deal with you. Uh, and I need storms in my life. I need storms in my life. Because those storms, like, show me who I am. They show me who I stand on. They show me who I'm rooted in. They show me where my faith goes. They show me the actions I take. They show me how I start to feel about things. And they're so worried that they're all trying to figure out this water issue and this storm issue. And Jesus just looks at them and I don't even know how this happens and how this looks like. And he just says, where's your faith? Come on, church, seriously. How long have you been in this life with Jesus? As you answer that, has he ever told you, hey, where's your faith? Has he ever told you that in the middle of a storm? Where's your faith? And you're screaming. You, he's saying, wait, you're screaming at me to wake up, to do something, to be part of all of this. And now one of you decided, oh man, this is all I can think already. So, <laughs> you 12 warriors, <laughs> you walked away from everything. You walked away from your livelihood. You walked away from the way you made money. You walked away from family. You walked away from everything to come and follow me. I mean, the steps that you've taken. Wow, look at the things you've already done for my name. Like, you disciples, you men, you. Come to me, wake up screaming to do something, to be part of this, and now one of you has stopped to ask each other or ask yourself, where's our faith? Where's my faith? So he looks at them and he says, where is your faith? Can it be possible that we are, again, that I am crying out to the Lord about things that I already have the answers for? Have you ever thought about that? Regal, you're crying out to me about things that I've already placed the resources in you to live out victorious through these storms. Your problem is not that I'm not hearing you. Your problem is that you lack faith because you're spending all this time with me and you are the one who hasn't heard me. When we go through problems, we blame God that he doesn't hear us. And God looks back at us and say, no, I've always been here. You're the one that hasn't heard me. I just want you guys to know where I'm at in my life. I'm glad you're being blessed by your pastor's life today. You're the problem, man. More growth, 
More faith. You're not hearing me. And until you don't understand that, doesn't Hebrews 11, 6 say that? That without faith, it is impossible to please God. How long have you been in this life? With Jesus. And he says, Rigo, so, so please the Father's heart. And please his heart by activating, by walking in the truth. And I love that Omar went into this last week. And it's like, ah, he's saying something to this family. He's saying something to us. To walk in the truth of all that he has already taught you and is still teaching you. Walk in it. Walk in it. I'm in your boat. Everyone say, he's in my boat. He's in my boat. Even when he's silent. He's in my boat. But hey, I'm just silent. And then I thought about this as I was praying. And it's as if the Lord was saying this to me. I'm in your boat, but I'm just silent. Because I want to see if you know my words and if you can say what I've already taught you to say. I want to know if you can do what I've already taught you to do. So I've placed you in a storm. I'm in the boat, but do you know what to do in the storm? What is Jesus doing? I'm sleeping in the storm. And he looks at us and says, but where's your faith? What is he really saying to you? What are you doing? What are you doing in your storm? Come on. How long have you been in this walk? Your boat will not go down. Jesus is on board. So why does it rock and why does it go through storms still in our lives? Have you come up with the answer yet? Here's my answer. Because Jesus is still working in my problem. And many times my problem is my faith. And I got to work on it. So I'm going to take you through another storm. How many of you have prayed for more faith? So he brings you more storms. Those storms are going to develop your faith. It's like the person that prays for patience. What is he going to do? He's going to put you in a place to build that patience. Why would God still do this? I thought he loves me. He does. You know why I know he still loves you? Because he's in the storm with you. The three Hebrews had to go through a storm. But when they went to look at their storm, they said one was with them. In the image of the very son of God. Do you know that though the Lord was with them in the storm of their fire, or the fire of their storm, they still had to face that fire for themselves. But Jesus was always present. He was always present. And he's still present. I've noticed that through death, he's present. He's present through loss. He's present. He's present in all things. He's working. And you know what's so beautiful about all of this? What's so beautiful about all of this? And about Jesus is that he gets up, and depending on what gospel you're reading from, it says that he rebukes the wind and the seas, and then he says, peace, be still. I'm going to wrap this up in a few minutes, and here it is. He rebukes the wind and the seas, and then he said, peace, be still. So I started to think, and I said, oh, I get it. Uh, I'm coming to understand maybe a double meaning here that Jesus is trying to make. These are two different statements that is being made in the scripture. It says that he rebukes the wind and the seas, right? And then he says, peace be still. Those are two different things. So I said, I get what God's trying to show me here. One was a rebuke to stop the storm. But then it goes, and then he said, peace be still. And I started to believe this. The other one, the peace be still, that was for his disciples. He rebukes the wind and the storms, and then he says, peace. I almost feel like Jesus says, wind and waves, I command you in the name of me. (laughs) Whatever he did. And then he says, 
It's almost like he glances at his boys and he says, peace, be still. Two different things that he was dealing with with one statement because the and then is added there for us. And, and, and for me, I just took it as a, as a gift for me to see it like that for that moment. But, but peace and, and be still. Again, how long have you been on this walk? Be still, he says. And stop overworking yourself on things that I've promised and assured. What did Jesus say as we get ready to wrap this up? He says what? Let's cross to the other side of the lake. What do the disciples bring to Jesus? We are going to die. And Jesus says, what do you mean? I told you we're going to get to the other side of the lake. He promises and he assures us. And what he's teaching his disciples and what he's teaching me in my life is to learn peace in storms and learn to be still when there's a lot of movement going on. Don't go where the movement goes. Don't allow the movement to drown you. Don't allow the words to destroy you. If there's a lot of movement, if there's a lot of things going on, that's a beautiful place to be still and to be at peace. And to learn Jesus at that place. It's not that Jesus was not with them on the boat. It's that Jesus already knew this and he already knew peace and stillness in the storm. I'll prove it to you. The disciples didn't know how to be still and have peace. Why? Because they're going crazy in a storm. Jesus is sleeping in a storm. That's where I want to get. I want to get to the place that when people see me, they say, what are you doing? And you're like, I'm sleeping in a storm. How are you sleeping in a storm? Because Jesus is sleeping on the storm too. And he's on my boat. How can you not be worried? And how can you not be doing these things? And how can you not be going to these places? And your one answer is, is because I've learned from past storms to take out my pillow and to do what Jesus does. To trust in what Jesus says. To learn how to be still. And to learn to be at peace. Are you with me? This was always part of Jesus' life. I don't have enough time to go through all the examples, but in Mark chapter 15, verses 3, it says that the leading priest kept accusing Jesus of all his crimes, and Pilate looks at Jesus and says, aren't you going to answer them? Look at all these charges that they're bringing against you, Jesus. Mark chapter 15, verse 5 says, and Jesus said nothing, and Pilate was surprised by Jesus' actions. Why wouldn't you fight back? Because Jesus is like, I'm at peace. Let them say what they want. In Matthew chapter 15, a Gentile woman out of all people comes running to Jesus. Have mercy on me, for my daughter is possessed by a demon, and she's tormented all day and all night. And How many of you are like, well, Jesus doesn't care. Look at verse 23. But Jesus... Gave her no reply, not even a word. Why? Because he's at peace, and he's still. Later on in that story, it says that Jesus looks at the woman and says, your faith is great, and your daughter is healed. How long have I been on this life journey with the Lord? And yet I'm still learning these things about Scripture. I'm still learning how to sleep in my storms. I'm still learning that my boat has never gone down. Why do I still think it is possible for it to come down today? I need to know that if he's on it, if he's in it, my boat is not going down. Scripture is so rich. It says that they were afraid and they marveled the disciples, and they began to say to one another, who then is this that he commands the winds and the waters to obey him? Did you guys catch that? Who is this guy that the wind and the water listen to him? What, what? Guys, what are they still doing wrong? What should they have said to each other? What are we doing that we 
cannot be obedient to him. That we can't see the things the way he sees it. But he does these things to the winds and the waves. They, they were so caught up with the wind and the water obeying Jesus that they didn't understand the greater value, the greater purpose, and it was that God wanted to capture their heart so that they could be obedient to him. It's funny how the wind and how the water becomes more obedient or becomes obedient before the disciples do. They learn a lesson before the disciples do. They had to learn to have faith that builds up peace. They had to learn how to have faith that builds up stillness. Isn't that what we heard last week? Stillness and peace in their spirit in the middle of the waters and in the movement. Jesus is on the cross, the worst time of his life, I'm guessing. Shameful, naked, abused and beaten, unrecognizable. And he's on the cross taking it peacefully and still. And like, how does he get to this point? How do I get to this place? How can I learn to have faith that builds up peace and stillness in me? They're on this journey with the Lord, just like I'm on a journey with Christ. And I'm learning so much from him, even still today. And I thought about a scripture that Paul writes to the church of Philippi. He says this to the Philippians. He tells the Philippians, hey, come and follow me. Follow my model. And I said, if, if the Philippians are to follow Paul's model and we too, how much more when Jesus speaks to us? And Paul writes this, his very own penmanship, inspired by the Holy Spirit. He says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And I love what he says. He says, fix your mind, fix your thoughts on what is true, on what is honorable, on what is right, on what is pure, on what is lovely, on what is admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Put your mind in the right place. And look what he says in verse 9. Keep putting into practice. Keep working it out. Keep living it out. All that you've learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing. And then God of peace will be with you. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to think about what Jesus is telling the disciples. Where is your faith? Of when Jesus rebukes the waves and the wind and then says, peace be still. And then Paul writes and says, I want you to think about all the godly things and Things that are honorable and pure and right and are worthy of praise. Think about these things. Let your minds not be on perverse things, on rotten things, on how to get even. Let your mind not be on the patterns and on the things and on the dilemmas of this world. Let your mind not be on the worries of this world, on the lies and the systems of this world. Let your mind not be consumed by the darkness of this world, but let your mind always be on the things that are lovely and admirable on the things that are true and put it always into practice everything that you've learned and everything that you are still receiving and everything that you saw me doing put it now into lifestyle put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you he's on your boat so Lord if there's anyone here that's on a boat and they've taken you into the boat and you are present with them. But they feel as if the boat has been sinking and they've been screaming, wake up, Jesus. We're going to die. But today you came to visit them and to remind them you're not going to die. You're actually going to live so much greater than you've ever lived before. I'm actually going to put things to die so that I could bring things to life. You're not going to die here. Be obedient. Be faithful. Surrender to who I am. 
trust in me and you'll see how your boat doesn't go down but you'll see that what comes out of this storm it's like gold that is refined as it comes out of the fire so will you be as we close off today maybe you said oh my gosh this is so timely for me I needed to hear Jesus ask me these questions. I needed to confront these things in my life today. I need to know that though it's been rocky and though it has felt like it was sinking, I needed to know that he's faithful, he's true, he's present, but I'm also responsible to live out and do what you've called me to do and believe in what you've called me to believe in. So with every person meditating and every person there in a place of prayer, if you want to stand, we're going to sing a song. You could stand and come before the presence of God, but if you today say, I just want to come before his presence and I want to get on my knees, I want someone to come alongside me, we would love, and I'm going to ask, away from anyone that comes up, if there's a leader that feels led to pray, some of the leaders are going to, come alongside you and just put their arms around you and pray with you. Pray with you that in your boat you would see Jesus is there and that he feels silent. It's because he's called you to speak. It's because he's called you to be still. He's called you to be, be, to be at peace and to walk in the promises of that. That the other side of the lake, it's promised. But is your stillness and your peace, is it intact? Do your part in his word and in his presence to know his peace and his stillness that actually is what takes you to the other side of that storm. If you need someone to come alongside and pray that prayer, to encourage and strengthen and cry with you, the altar, the front is open for prayer. Come up here and let's pray together and let's ask the Lord just to come and visit us in a special way. Let's sing a song to the Lord and let's ask the Lord to fill us in this moment that we are in with him. Hallelujah, Lord. Fill this place, Lord.